Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. I'm Anthony Buzzard, inviting you again to probe the Scriptures with us to investigate the Bible as we continue with our discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. Our purpose in this series of broadcasts is to invite radio listeners everywhere to become involved with the Bible at first hand. One of the most important principles that we can learn from Scripture is found in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. If you have a Bible, it really wouldn't matter what translation you have, please open to Acts 17 and verse 11. In that passage we learn of a group of people in the city of Berea, of whom Luke reports that they were more noble-minded, more generous in their approach, indeed more open-minded than many others, and in fact ready to receive what Paul had to teach them. And the reason for this was that they were studying the Scriptures daily, Luke says, to see if what Paul was telling them was true. Now, there's a wonderful principle for all of us in that verse, Acts 17:11. We need to take personal responsibility for ourselves and our families to investigate carefully what we hear and compare it against the gold standard of the Scriptures themselves. We should not take for granted that what we're hearing is necessarily an accurate representation of the faith as Jesus and the apostles preached it. We must, as the Bereans did in Acts 17.11, search the Scriptures daily to see if what we're hearing is true. Now Luke goes on to tell us that those Bereans became true believers as a result of their daily personal Bible study by which they compared what Paul was telling them with the inspired record of the Scriptures. Now that's an excellent principle for all of us and we encourage our listeners to do this always. We're going to be bringing to you many verses of Scripture in presenting our understanding of the gospel of the kingdom of God, the Christian gospel, that is, and we want everyone to check up on us carefully, to check the verses we refer to in their context, in their own Bibles. What we've been doing is asking a fundamental question. What is the gospel of salvation? What must we believe and do in order to be true followers of Jesus Christ. Our impression is that the term gospel is often assumed to have a clear meaning in the 1990s, and this is not necessarily the case. The word gospel seems to be the one word that never gets defined. People use the term gospel often as though we all understand what it means. So I want to take then some of our radio time to investigate carefully the meaning of the word gospel or good news because after all this is the key term in our understanding of the whole of the mission of Jesus. Last time we mentioned Luke 4 verse 43. In that verse we find that Jesus proclaimed the gospel about the kingdom of God and then said that that was the reason for his whole mission. That's why God had commissioned him to preach. And in Acts 8 and verse 12 we saw that it's only when people believed the gospel about the kingdom of God and the things concerning Jesus that they were ready to be baptized by being immersed in water. And so it's not difficult to see that there is a key term in Scripture and that key term is the gospel and it's immediately associated in the teaching of Jesus 
with the kingdom of God. It's the gospel about the kingdom. If we now turn to the beginning chapter of Mark's gospel, that's to say the account of the teaching of Jesus as given us by Mark, who was almost certainly, incidentally, a student of the Apostle Peter himself, we will find that in this early chapter of Mark, chapter 1 of Mark, an excellent introduction is given to us to the ministry of Jesus Christ in the first century. In verse 1 of Mark 1, we read this. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God. Right away there we have our key term, gospel or good news. And immediately also we have Jesus Christ presented to us as the principal player in the New Testament drama. And he's there given a title, Christ and Son of God. Now these two terms, Christ and Son of God, are virtually synonymous. To be Christ is to be the appointed King of Israel. And Son of God is another term equally describing the King of Israel, Christ or the Messiah. We're going to learn here, obviously, according to Mark, about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that he preached, and, of course, the good news about him, both things. Now, this gospel, we see immediately in verse 2, is connected with something that had been already stated in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, some 800 years earlier. And now that same message comes to John the Baptist, so we begin then in verse 2 of chapter 1 of Mark with a quotation from the book of Isaiah. This is what we read. I'm sending my messenger to get the way ready for you. In the desert someone is shouting, Get the way ready for the Lord. Make a straight path for him. Now the meaning of this is given in verse 4, Mark 1. I quote again. So John the Baptist showed up in the desert, told everyone to turn back to God, Repent and be baptized, then your sins will be forgiven. I was reading there from a modern translation. So we have here, right at the start of Mark's Gospel, an invitation from John the Baptist himself, who was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, that people would turn from their sins, reorientate their lives, do a kind of U-turn in their personal life and thinking, and turn back to God. And if they were prepared to do that, God would forgive them for their lapses and their sins and for their failure to measure up to the standard that God demands of all of us. And so in verse 5 we read this, From all Judea and Jerusalem, crowds of people went to John. They told how sorry they were for their sins and he baptized them in the Jordan River. John, we read, wore clothes made of camel hair. He had a leather strap around his waist and his diet was grasshoppers and wild honey, a diet that some of us in the 20th century might not find very appealing. John also told the people in verse 7, Someone more powerful is going to come, and I'm not good enough even to stoop down and untie his sandals. I'm baptizing you with water, but he's going to baptize you with Holy Spirit. That, of course, was a reference to Jesus, and Jesus, of course, was six months younger than John the Baptist. And so John here has set the scene for the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ himself. So then we read that Jesus was baptized, and as soon as he came out of the water, in verse 10 of Mark 1, Jesus saw the sky open, and the Holy Spirit 
coming down upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my own dear son. I am well pleased with you. Then follows the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness for forty days. And immediately after that, then in verse 14, we come to the grand opening of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now here, obviously, we are most interested to know what it is that Jesus commands his followers to believe and to do. And in chapter 1 of Mark, verse 14 and 15, we have a beautiful summary of the foundation of Jesus' whole ministry, a kind of programmatic statement, if you like, of the substance of the whole of the Christian faith itself. So if we were to ask the question, what is the first commandment that Jesus ever gave? We'll have our question answered in these precious verses that I'm about to read. Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee and heralded, or proclaimed, the gospel that comes from God, God's gospel, God's message. And he said, The time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn back to God, repent, and believe in that good news. Now let's pause for a moment to analyze this statement carefully, because nothing, I think, could be more foundational and important for our understanding of the mission of Jesus than these verses in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Jesus comes into Galilee here as a herald, as a town crier, bringing a message from God. He appears as one proclaiming a message, and that message has a very definite content to it. It isn't some vague statement about being religious. It isn't even at this point a command to love your neighbor, although, of course, that came later. It's a much more specific and precise message. It's simply this. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is coming soon. The kingdom of God will soon be here. That's what Jesus is saying. And in the light of that stupendous fact, repent and believe that good news about the kingdom, the good news about what Jesus called the kingdom of God. So what is the first commandment of Jesus? Well, here it is, plainly spelled out for us by Mark in chapter 1, verse 15. Repent, that's to say, do a U-turn in your lifestyle. Reorientate your life to a new horizon. Turn around, turn back to God and believe in the gospel about the kingdom of God. Unmistakably here we have then the foundation of the Christian faith, of the whole Christian religion. It isn't at this stage, I must point out to you, belief that Jesus died for your sins and rose again, although that certainly came later. But at this stage, at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, the foundation of the gospel is believe in the good news about the kingdom of God. Now, as we follow the ministry of Jesus, we'll find that there is one term in his preaching which dominates all other phrases. And it's this expression that we found here in Mark 1, verses 14 and 15, the gospel concerning the kingdom. So at once then we're interested to know, what does that term kingdom of God mean? Now, we're going to be diverting much of our time in these discussions about the favorite topic of Jesus, the kingdom of God, in defining precisely what he meant by the kingdom of God, the center of his gospel message. 
But for the moment I want us to see that the first commandment of Jesus Christ has to do with repenting, turning around, reorientating our life in a new direction and believing a quite specific message, a message that has a definite label to it. That's to say, the gospel or good news about the kingdom of God. As we trace our way through the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark and Luke particularly, we find that Jesus always spoke of the kingdom. I'm fascinated, for instance, by a most interesting fact. That is that not only Jesus, but Paul, whose ministry, of course, came later, followed Jesus exactly in this matter of preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. May I call your attention first to Luke chapter 9 and verse 11. Here we find that a crowd was following Jesus, as often, of course, was the case. And it says there that he welcomed them and began speaking about the kingdom of God. There we have it. The principal theme of all Jesus' teaching has to do with that term, kingdom of God. Jesus typically welcomed the people and then immediately embarked on the discussion of the kingdom of God. Now, in Acts chapter 28 and verse 30, you'll find that Paul also welcomed the people and spoke about the kingdom of God. Our time is running out for today. We invite you to request from us a free book on the kingdom of God. And join us again for our continued discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.